You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our Greenville teaching pastor, Matt Humphrey. We're starting a, a brand new series that you, you can't tell because there's no graphic on the screen. Uh, we're starting a brand new series uh, on the book of Proverbs. Uh, we're not going to cover it in its entirety, uh, but the, the subtitle for the series is You Don't Have to Learn the Hard Way. Uh, Proverbs is a book of wisdom, a book of knowledge, a book of application. Um, and a lot of things we learn in life, unfortunately, the hard way, right? We, we learn a lot of lessons uh, just through um, our own error, our own stupidity, our own bad choices and decisions. I, uh, I don't even remember if I've told this story before. So I, if I have, just laugh anyways. Um, but uh, I, we used to do mission trips. I used to lead our mission trips years ago. And we would go to Nicaragua, um, sometimes twice a year. And I remember this one time we were there. And um, we uh, we've been outgrowing the facility we were in. Uh, we have a missions organization that's down there. Um, also, also partnering with House of Hope. But we... Um, they were, they were looking at, man, wouldn't it be cool to have a, a plot of land to do like retreats on, to do a retreat center? And so we went and looked at this coffee farm. Um, this this uh, gentleman, he was easily in his 70s and he lived on the land by himself. And it wasn't like flat ground. It was like steep terrain. Um, he had no electricity, no running water. He watered every single plant by hand with a bucket, dipped out of a cistern, and went and did it. In fact, some locals, uh, some people came and visited him one time and gave him um, uh, like electricity. They gave him a battery powered light and stuff. And he was like, nah, I'm good. I don't want it. And so we go there and we're, we're walking around the land with him and he's showing us the trees. He's showing us everything. And it's just beautiful piece, piece of land, like rich, dark volcanic soil. And we come back down to his, his modest little hut. And meanwhile, he's like picking herbs. He's like, here, put this in your mouth. I'm like, I don't know what that is. He's like, chew on it. You know, he's like, that helps with, uh, with uh, toothaches or whatever, you know. And so he's like, he talks about his coffee and he, he asks, he's like, would you guys want to try some? Now me, like, I, I love local food. I love going and experiencing things like in its purest form. And so immediately I'm like, that sounds great, you know. But... The problem is, in Nicaragua, or in, in, some, in a lot of third world countries, um, you can't drink the water. You just can't. Because there's parasites, there's, uh, there's stuff in it that if you, they call it Montezuma's Revenge, uh, you drink the water, you regret it later. And so the locals can, they're, they're used to it. Um, and so as soon as we said yes, he goes back into his hut, and he comes back out with an old mayonnaise jar what I thought was coffee grounds, but was liquid coffee that I don't know when it was brewed. And so he's like, here, he wants to try some. And so my friend who's interpreting for us, me and my buddy were like, dude, we're going to die. Like, no, like it was, it was like dirty on the outside and he enjoys it cold. So I didn't even have the benefit of like boiling water to kill anything. And so he pours us a coffee cup and I look over at his his hand dug cistern and there's stuff floating on it. There's mosquitoes everywhere. I'm like, I'm not just going to get sick. I'm going to die. And so I'm, I'm literally, he's looking at us and I don't want to be rude. I'm going to offend him at this point. He hands me a coffee cup and I, I hold it up to my lips and they're pretending like I'm drinking. I take a little sip and there was so much sugar in it that it was like almost sickening, but I'm like, mm, this is delicious. And I hand it to my friend. Here's your turn. 
And we go back and forth. And, and finally, when he's not looking, we just like dump it out. And we're like, that was awesome. But he was being so hospitable. He was, he was like, I, I, I'm going to risk this stupid thing uh, for the sake of not offending this, this gentleman. But uh, it was such a like, a, hey, do you want to try it? Sure, why not? Not even thinking. We, we look back on our life and how many, um, how many bad situations have we got into because we've made poor decisions? How, how many bad situations, how many errors would we go back and live out differently if we entered into those situations with a little bit more wisdom? Um, and so the premise for today is, we're gonna start with this point. Well, you have notes. They're just printed in front of you. Is that the quality of life is determined by the wisdom or foolishness of our decisions. The quality of our life is mainly, is, is, is very much so determined by the wisdom or foolishness of our decisions. Proverbs 16, 25, the ESV says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, the way, uh, it is the way to death. Um, other translations, especially Southern translations, say, hey man, watch this. Um, that's kind of like the, or hold my beer, you know, like that's, that's the, that's kind of like, Hey, there's, there's a way in front of someone that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. And so, uh, through this series, uh, we're going to take a look at God's word. Now, um, originally I had planned to show you a video right now. Um, so I'm going to give me grace. I'm just going to kind of give some highlights of it, but to give us, um, anytime we read scripture, we need context. Um, so we're going to, through this next six weeks, we're going to look at God's wisdom found in the book of Proverbs. Um, but what we have to remember is that you can't read everything the same. Uh, you can't read every, uh, every chapter, every, uh, book of the Bible the same. You, you have to read them with a different lens, uh, just as the way that you wouldn't read a, uh, copier manual, uh, the same way you would a fiction novel right? You wouldn't read out a letter from the IRS the way that you would read a love letter from your spouse. Dearest taxpayer, you know, like it just, you don't read them the same way. So we have to have context and understand what we're reading, why we're reading it, and where it comes from. And so um, I, don't quote me on this, but I, I saw this this week, and it was such a great way of kind of compartmentalizing scripture. There's several different ways to, to break it up. But if you look at your table of contents, we, we think about the, the Old Testament and the New Testament from Genesis to Deuteronomy. So we have, this is all of God's word, uh, but divided up, we have Genesis to Deuteronomy is, we could say that's God's law. Um, that's the, the section of scripture that, that goes over God's commandments, God's laws for ritual, for ceremonial cleanliness, um, all of that. Uh, from Joshua to Esther is the, the main um, storyline is about God's people. Uh, from Job to Song of Solomon, this is where we see God's wisdom. It's also called the, the wisdom or the poetry books. Um, Isaiah to Malachi is God's prophets. From Matthew to John, um, the, the storyline is God's son. And then from Acts to Revelation is God's church. And so in looking within this context of, of God's wisdom, we're going to look at um, the question that the book of Proverbs kind of um, gives us and lays out for us, how are we to live our lives? And the, the overwhelming answer is we live them with wisdom. We're, we're called to live our lives well. Um, so 
book of Proverbs, many of the Proverbs, majority of it was written by Solomon, who became King Solomon. We, we, we see this, uh, if you take notes, you can read it later. First Kings chapter 3, um, the Lord approaches Solomon and asks him, hey, what, what, what can I do for you? This is the Matt paraphrase. And, and Solomon's answer is he doesn't wish, wish for, a, uh, you know, for the biggest army. He doesn't ask for wealth. He doesn't ask for treasure, possessions. The thing that he asks of the Lord is he asks for wisdom in governing his people. He's a, at a young age, he's put into power, and he says, who could rule such a great people as your people? And so he asks God for wisdom, and the Lord grants him wisdom. He was a, the wisest man who ever lived, apart from Jesus. And so we have these, this compilation of, of writings. Now, we, we know this isn't all of, um, we know that within Proverbs and Song of Solomon's and Ecclesiastes, these are not all of Solomon's um, anecdotes or Proverbs. He, he wrote thousands of them, but this is a small compilation of it. But it's um, the, the writer, um, there's, there's lots of literary styles, and I'm not going to go over that because, one, I'm not smart enough. Um, I, I, I dropped out of AP English in high school because I didn't want to do the reading list over the summer. So um, it's not my strong suit. But there is several, there's like seven different literary um, styles within the Proverbs. Um, but what we have to remember in looking at the Proverbs is it's broken up into three main sections. Uh, the first section of Proverbs, um, chapters one through nine, is this, um, this interaction of a father passing wisdom to his son. So he's talking about the importance of wisdom, of why we need wisdom. And you see this, this tension between wisdom and folly. Uh, and wisdom is even personified as a woman, as lady wisdom. And so we see this, hey, listen to her. You're like, who's she? Where did she come in the picture? Um, so wisdom is personified. So in the first one through nine, we see these, uh, these 10 like pep talks from a, a dad to a son imparting the, the principle of why we need knowledge. Chapters 10 through 29 is this total compilation of all of these uh, one-liners or two-liners or um, just like sometimes you would even think maybe these are, if there was a uh, things that you would put on a fortune cookie, maybe some of these, some things in Proverbs would be it. Um, these, these nuggets of just gold, of wisdom. Um, and then in the last two chapters, we see the, the climax of, of why we need wisdom and then this kind of closing prayer of what that looks like in this poem. And so um, what's also important is we think about wisdom. Wisdom is not just head knowledge. We talk about the, the importance of, of Proverbs, the importance of God's word. The Hebrew word for wisdom used in this is, I'm going to go ahead and butcher this, is kokoma. Um, it doesn't just refer to knowledge, like head knowledge, like I read a book, I comprehended it, I understood there's a connotation that there is an applied knowledge. That same word for, for wisdom, actually in the Old Testament, is applied to craftsmen and to artisans. That they had this kokomon, this, this wisdom that played out in how they did. Like a sculptor, if, if you asked me to chisel a sculpture, uh, we'd be here for months and nothing would add up. Like it would, it would look horrible. Uh, but a, someone who is trained, who has knowledge as an artist, as a sculptor, they know how to work the stone. They, they know how to, to see the, the finished product within the slab, the raw material. Like they have wisdom. They have this knowledge, not just in here, but in how they apply it. So we talk about the book of Proverbs. It's not just head knowledge we need to download. It is life knowledge. 
of how to apply God's wisdom, right? It, it's kind of like, um, this is, we also need to remember that uh, the book of Proverbs, in reading it differently, this is not a book of promises. Okay, when we, when we read other sections of scripture, we, we have promises of God. We have God's word, like spoken, uh, like we have the words of Jesus. We have promises, but Proverbs are less about promises and they're more principles. Now you're like, well, does that mean I can just tune out? No, because um, it's kind of like, um, okay, Sunday after for Father's Day, we went out to lunch and with my father-in-law, we, uh, we took the family uh, to go ride go-karts at Frankie's, which is like just fun, you know? And so um, when you're driving go-karts, there's simple rules. One, you want to lose. If you're not first, you're last, right? Uh, you want to, there's, <laughs> they even color coat the pedals. Like the green one is go, the red one is stop. Uh, you're not allowed to like bump into people and like slam people. Like those are, like, there's like four rules. That's all you got to follow. You can do a couple laps, that's it. But we have the, the rules of how to drive a go-kart, but there's also like the applied like, okay, how do you win? You know? Because I told my kids like, I, I, you can race me, but I'm, I'm going to try to win. I'm not just going to let you win because I'm not like that and I'm competitive. So, um, so like, Hey, you should hug the corner really, really tight when you're going into a turn. Uh, before you get to it, you kind of like drift out a little bit so that you don't skid the whole time. Uh, you know, kind of make sure that as the person swings wide, you go ahead and get your front bumper in front of them. Like there's a lot of different like technical things on how to do and how to follow like the rules. Within the book of Proverbs, we have the applied wisdom of how to follow God's law. We have the law laid out for us. We have the, the teachings of Jesus. We have all of that. The, the book of Proverbs is like, hey, this is how you do it well. How do you live your life? This is a, this, these are wisdom that when we apply it to our life has a high probability of success. But at the same time, we have to remember that they're not promises. Like very common one is, hey, train up a child in the way he should go. When he is older, he will not depart from it. That's wisdom. Hey, teach your kids the word of God. Hey, get them involved in the church. Get them, bring them here on Sundays. Bring them here on Wednesdays. Like get them involved in, in the church. Instill in them the importance of God's principles. And you can do all of that well, but at, this, at the end of your time with them, as they go off and live their own life, they have to make their own decisions. And they can go astray. But the high probability of success is there. So we want to live our lives well. We have to take um, this context of looking at the book of Proverbs. So we have to remember they're not the promises, they're principles. Um, it's not just head knowledge, it's applied um, I think I covered most of what the video was going to. Probably not. But anyways, we may play it another day. Who knows? We may not have a projector ever again. No, I'm just playing. All right. Um, so, uh, so we're going to jump into, uh, if you turn with me, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 1 to start. Or you can just look on your page. It's not a surprise. You have it right in front of you. I keep forgetting that. All right. Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 1. He says, my son, if you accept my words... And store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom, applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, 
Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find, knowledge of, find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk, whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of those faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant for your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Seems like there's a lot of benefits of wisdom, right? There's a lot of protection. There's a lot of blessing. He's like, hey, search for it. Like, look for it. Ask for it. Seek understanding because the more you understand the ways of God and how to best follow God, the, the better off your life is going to be. There, there's some true depth from the, I mean, this is inspired by the Holy Spirit, but it's the wisest person who ever lived compiling these. So what we'll also notice um, as we go through the book of Proverbs, yes, we, we talked about earlier that there's this, the, the father giving advice down to the son. Um, there's also this personification of lady wisdom. Um, there's also three main types of people that you're going to come in contact with as we go through the book of Proverbs. Uh, the first is the wise. You're like, that's easy, right? The wisdom books. There should be somebody who's listening, the wise. Um, other names, the righteous, the upright, the diligent, the understanding, those are all in the same category. So he uses different terminology, but usually it's in uh, reference to an aspect about them. Like the righteous uh, is a wise person, but it's one who has embraced the covenant, uh, seen from the perspective of his faithfulness to God's will. Uh, you have the prudent, it's the same individual, but it's seen from the angle of one who carefully plans out his obedience. Um, and the wise is seen from the perspective of his skill in walking in the ways of God. So anytime you come across like, hey, uh, the wise do this, or the prudent, or the righteous, um, that's the good category. That's where we want to be. That's where we want to live our lives. And this isn't just about being good. Let me clarify that. This is about living well. This is about living like our best life that God has for us, walking in his truth. He's the author of life. He's pretty smart, okay? Um, the second, or the simple, um, these are the people that are kind of on the fence. They're not fully committed one way or another. They're, they're easily swayed by opinions. They're easily swayed by circumstances. Uh, they're easily swayed by, by just what's going on around them. They don't apply themselves to the discipline needed to gain and grow in wisdom. So we have the wise. We have the simple who are kind of on the fence. Uh, and then the third category is the fool uh, or the wicked, the lazy, those lacking sense. Um, this kind of person is, uh, they can even be fools among God's people. Uh, these people are opposed to God's covenant, God's laws, God's ways. Um, they're dangerous in their influence. They even resist the offer of forgiveness found in the covenant. And they can cause grief for their parents, but they're not beyond hope. So we, when we read the book of Proverbs, um, we, we always hope to be in the camp of the wise. And so sometimes you'll see Solomon compare um, a certain aspect, looking at the way of a, of a fool versus the wise. Sometimes it will just be, hey, this is what wise people do. Hey, this is what foolish people do. Um, so you'll, you'll begin to, to pick up on the context of which camp he's being addressed to. Um, the second truth is that if I'm lost, I should ask for directions. Now I know 
For the men in the room, this is hard. It's hard for us. One, we don't get lost, so we don't need directions, right? Secondly, let's be honest, when was the last time that you actually opened up a paper map or actually listened to someone's directions? Because like, if you meet someone who's more seasoned in life and they give you directions, you, you nod your head and you listen, but you very well know that immediately you're gonna go Google it or put it in your GPS. Am I lying or not? Am I the only one? Okay, you're just better than me. All right, so immediately they're like, hey, take Route 11, and then you're gonna go down to the subway, and you're gonna turn right, three stoplights later, you're like, dude, I've got a phone, okay? <laughs> this has never failed me. Um, the only other time you actually need directions are maybe if you're hiking somewhere and you don't have a cell phone signal. Like, that's the only time. But long time ago, we used to, a couple of times I got lost, and you would eventually get to a place where you have to stop and figure out where you are. We don't know everything. Can we all assume that? Can we all be on the same page here and admit that we don't know everything? Okay, if we admit that there are areas in our life that we lack understanding, that we lack wisdom, if there's decisions that we are walking into that we're like, hey, I don't wanna be the fool, I wanna be in the, the, third, the first category, right? We often have a hard time asking God for wisdom. We, we or are asking godly people around us. We're reluctant to. Why? Uh, we need to because one, because indecision is, is, is costly, as my wife often reminds me. Pastor once said, is indecision is expensive taste because it costs. And when we get to moments where we um, are confused on what to do, when we don't know which way to take, when we're at a crossroads in life, when we're at a, at a point where we have to make a decision. I'm not talking about like, hey, um, you know, ordering the sandwich or the salad. Uh, like, I, I'm talking about like, should I take this job or not? Um, what, what should I, how should I budget my money? Um, how should I raise my children? How should I fill in the blank? And, 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 and every even minuscule decision within that, um, we, we need to ask God for wisdom. Because when we don't, when we get to a moment when we don't know which route to take, when we're indecisive, it does a couple of things. One, it makes us stressful. Um, like the, the, hey, what restaurant should we go to? I don't know, you pick. The endless cycle of that, you know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all hang out in the parking lot for 45 minutes after I say amen, because you can't decide a restaurant. Finally, like, I don't care, you just go. And then you pick one, and you're like, no, that's not the one I want. Um, it's too heavy, it's too light, it's too greasy, it's too not. Um, the average person makes 35,000 decisions a day. That's a lot. 35,000 decisions a day, nonstop, all day long. Just ordering a coffee at Starbucks requires like 400 of them, right? What kind of milk? How much ice? What size cup? What size flavor? What size, whatever. Like, there's so many decisions that we make, and we can get to a point where we, it's a real thing, we call it decision fatigue. When we're in a stage of life where we're making so many, like, really, really important decisions, not like, hey, pink or blue, but like important decisions, we can get to the point where we're just like, we're tired of making decisions. And it can, instead of having clarity between yes and no, right or left, we, we just kind of waffle in the middle and it, it creates a burden and a stress because the decisions begin to pile up. And so instead of just staying parked, we should actually ask God for wisdom. As volume of decisions increase, the quality of the decisions decrease. 
the second thing it does is it makes us fearful. Uh, what if I get the wrong, what if I choose wrongly? Um, and because fear paralyzes us, we, we get stuck in the middle uh, in the endless research or in the endless investigation or asking opinions. Um, and here's, here's where uh, perfectionists get hung up. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm true to the core, self-admitted here. I can tend to err on the side of perfectionism. But perfectionism is, is not obtainable, one. Um, and perfectionism is, 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 is bondage. Um, it's the enemy of progress. Because unless it's perfect, you don't move forward. You're never gonna make, I'm not gonna say that. Majority of the time, you're not gonna make decisions and have 100% accuracy and clarity on it. Like big decisions. Not like I ate a sandwich that was good. I'm glad I chose that, not the salad, right? But I'm talking like big decisions. You're, you're never, there's, there's always going to be a, a decimal point or a percentage of uncertainty. And that, that's called life, right? So we have to not allow, because indecision is a decision. To stay waffling in the middle is to be in the side of the simple, to, to not know which way to go. And thirdly, it, it makes us vulnerable. Um, if we don't have standards for which we decide, you know, the, the saying, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. It's that idea, it, it makes us, we're, we're vulnerable to everything if we don't have some of the sand, standards. Craig Rochelle, pastor, said, when your values are clear, your decisions are easier. When you know your values, when you know at your core what, what you value, who you are in Christ, what you prioritize in your life, your decisions are, made, are much clearer. But if you don't know where you stand on certain things, on truth, if you don't know where, where you stand in your identity, if you don't know where you stand on, on, on God's word being like infallible, where, where, if you don't know where you stand when you come to these important decisions, you, you feel vulnerable because you, you don't have this, uh, this set of evaluation of like, is this line up to truth or not? And so it, it, it creates this vulnerability James 1 says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, sit in a corner and panic. No, you should ask God, right? If any of us lacks wisdom, that's all of us in this room. We all lack wisdom. Some lack it more than others. Uh, if we lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. It's kind of like this. Uh, when I, I love people to try food. Uh, if I have something ordered at a restaurant, I'm like, ooh, you gotta try that. You gotta try this. You gotta taste this. Uh, and my kids know it very well, and they, they don't like it always, but um, I always say to them, because I'm like, here, try this, like, no, I don't like it, it's like, your taste change, you're not picky, your taste change, and they'll make, like, a face, like, I'm like, nothing will taste good if you make a face, like, you know, before you eat it, try it next time, you want to try something new, make a face like that, you'll be disgusted, but if you come to it with an open eye, a mind of, like, hey, I may actually enjoy this, maybe you will, 
It's the same thing. You ask God for wisdom, but you doubt that he's actually going to give it. Guess what? He's probably not going to give it to you. But if you ask God for wisdom in boldness and in certainty that the God who created everything, who is all-powerful, who is all-knowing, can impart wisdom into our tiny brains, if we ask with certainty, you know what? It says he's going to give it to us. Not like, Lord, if you're not busy, you know, I don't know, you know, I'll figure it out. No, we, we ask boldly, God, I need wisdom. It's a big decision. And you care about the results even more than I do. And so I, I want to yield my, my heart, my decisions, my, my life, my mind to your ways. So God, I need your wisdom. Because I know I tend to be a fool, often. And I don't want to be in that camp. I want to be in the camp of the wise and the righteous. Um, so asking God for wisdom and belief. So here's a couple things that compete with wisdom. Uh, feelings, understanding, and desires. Feelings, understanding, and desires. Uh, we're we're going to talk about topics uh, later throughout this series, but I'm trying to get us to see that um, a lot of times like there, there's a rub between what we read or we hear God's wisdom and actually how we make decisions or live our lives. Um, and there's some things that compete with it. One is feelings. Let's, let's take this example of like, um, let's say you plan to buy a brand new, really, really expensive car that you know you probably can't afford, okay? But you, you're, you're deciding anyways. So, so feelings compete with wisdom by saying it's new, it's shiny, smell it, open the door, right? How good does that leather feel? It doesn't have the cracks and the tears. It doesn't have French fries and goldfish in the back seat from your kids. Like it doesn't have that weird like, what's that smell? You know what I'm talking about? Like is that milk? Is that socks? Is, who knows? Um, you know, burn it. No, it's fine. Um, it, it, it's those feelings of like, ooh, this is, this is, this is new. It's flashy. It's attractive. It's, it's got a year that starts with 2,000 on it and not like 19 um, of a car. And like, that's attractive. I, I feel like I, I really, really, really want this. Um, understanding competes. It's like, I don't understand why a $1,000 a month car payment is bad for me. I can easily borrow the money. I know I don't have it. I can borrow it. Uh, and understanding um, competes with, it's either our lack of understanding or, or even worse, it's, it's uh, not understanding that we don't understand. It's not knowing that we don't know. It's not just like, hey, I don't understand, God, your, your principles on this uh, of why I, I should manage my money this way or why I shouldn't be in debt to my eyeballs or, 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 or X, Y, and Z, why, why I shouldn't do this, why I shouldn't, hey, buy this brand new car that I know it's going to depreciate $30,000 within the first year. Why, why shouldn't I? And so it's either because we can't understand God's principles and his ways, we lean on our own understanding, or we don't even understand that we don't understand. Um, and then the third one is our desires. <laughs> um, we're just, we're tired of our beat up 2015 Honda Accord. That's like, I mean, it's good for another 130,000 miles. Let's be honest. Those things never end. We don't want to be embarrassed. All of our friends have nicer cars. Or, or it's, you know, mine smells like feet because of my kids or, or whatever it is. It squeals a lot. I had a ticking car. My first car was like a tick, 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 tick. You could hear it coming, and you got faster. Tick, 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 you know? Um, it's a 1995 Suzu Trooper. The thing was a beast. Um, I digress. But our desires is like, I, I, I want to... I want, I, want, I want to feel pampered a little bit. I want, I want this new thing. I, want, I, I don't want to be embarrassed. 
And so all of these different things are competing with, at the end of the day, we can't afford it. At the end of the day, we're like, we can make the first payment, but the second one, mm. But we have to push down what we feel and not take the steering wheel away from it. Take the steering wheel away from our understanding or lack thereof and take the steering away from our desires that are, are bad. Say, so, okay, God, what is your wisdom in this? Is there principles in your word that teach us what to do and how to handle it? And yes, we're gonna talk about money one week. Um, the way of a fool seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Proverbs 12, 15. All right, and lastly, I need to run time. Oh, look, I'm going well. Proverbs 3, uh, it's actually not 4 and 5, it's 5 and 6. Uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, the translations say, acknowledge him, um, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Very well-known passage. You've probably heard it a thousand times. And, and the wisest man who ever lived is saying, hey, trust the Lord with all your heart. That word for trust uh, means to lie helpless face down. It's the same word used for an enemy soldier surrendering. Hey, not just like, oh, Lord, I trust you, but God, I, I trust you with the very breath that I'm dependent upon as soon as I exhale. Like there, there's a total 100% trust in the character of God. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Not part of it, not like hokey pokey halfway in, halfway out. Not like I'm gonna kind of like listen to your truth, but at the end of the day, God, I know better. No, it says trust the Lord, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. All of it. Not a backup plan. Not a, well, if this doesn't work out, I'm, on, <laughs> I'm gonna give it three chances. And if it doesn't work out, I'm going back to my plan. And lean not on your own to understanding. Meaning that's deciding to put away your understanding going into a decision. Deciding to put away how it's worked out for you in the past going into a decision. It's not blank slate, but it's saying, hey, when I go into this, when I, when I go to make a decision, I'm not gonna go into it with the baggage of, of my understanding because I know that my ways and my thinking are limited. And so I'm going to, Trust the Lord and lean not on my understanding, this broken crutch that I can't even put all my weight on that I would fall. Instead, I'm gonna trust in, it in, in, in all of your ways, God. Not on my own understanding. In all of your ways, inviting God into the everyday life, um, the, the coming, the going. So through this series, we wanna help um, us as a church look for God's wisdom. I'm um, not just teach us about it, but how to apply it, how to seek it out, how to look for it, how to depend upon it. Um, and what I love about even that, that passage in Proverbs is it's such a beautiful parallel of the gospel. Hey, trust in the Lord with, with all of your heart, knowing that like there, there's nothing that we can do to fix the brokenness of our sin, but we have to trust 
God. We have to trust the, the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. And when we lean not on our own understanding, our own, our own thinking that we can do things or have good deeds or, or right enough wrongs to get right with God, but when we acknowledge that, hey, I'm gonna, not going to lean on my own doing, but I'm going to lean on the finished work of Jesus Christ, crucified, died, buried, risen, the finished work of the cross. When I'm going to lean on that understanding, that he saved me, that he bought me, that he purchased me with the price of his son. That when I do that, when I ask him to be Lord and Savior, when I surrender my life to his ways, he makes my path straight. I love the, the beauty of that. So here's what I want us to do. For the next, uh, this series is gonna be six weeks for now, maybe change. Um, there are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. Um, I want us to commit to every day reading one chapter of Proverbs. One chapter a day for the next 31 days. Now, there's even four grace days in there. Um, if you're a procrastinator, ignore that last statement. There's not four grace days. Uh, so if you miss a day, don't panic. Um, there's four grace days, okay? Uh, but read it slowly. Go through it. Don't like do this instead of your quiet time. Like add this on top of it, but, but read through the Proverbs. Look at the wisdom of God and how like there, there's a, this application of how to best follow the Lord with, with everything of our life. It talks about relationships. It talks about money. It talks about the power of our words. It, it talks about marriage. Like you, you name it, it's covered in here. Because all of us want wisdom. So we should ask God for it. We should go to his word for it. And we should believe that when we ask, that God is gracious and generous to give us exactly what we need. Church, we pray with me? Father, we love you and we thank you that you have not just caused, called us to live our lives siloed from your spirit, from your word, from your ways. But God, you give us wisdom through the power of your Holy Spirit. You give us wisdom through the, the life of your son. You give us wisdom through the living, breathing, active word of God. And Lord, I pray that as we seek for wisdom, Lord, as we look, as we search for it like silver and gold, that we would find it. You don't hide it from us. You don't dangle it like a carrot. But God, you graciously give us wisdom. Um, it's not just so that we can make our lives better, but it's, God, so that we can live lives that bring glory and honor to you. We can live lives being obedient. We can live lives that declare the glory of God to the world around us. So, God, I pray that you would, um, you would give us a fresh understanding. God, that we would see your word and the value of it uh, and that we would be a changed people because of it. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. It's in your mighty and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, we love you. As always, our prayer team is down front. We'd love to pray with you. I hope you have an awesome week, and we'll see you guys next Sunday. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.